Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Bipolar podcast hosted by Emma Bell and brought to you by Bipolar UK. You can find all of our resources at www.bipolaruk.org. I'd like to welcome Leah Charles King to the Bipolar UK podcast, Let's Talk Bipolar. Leah, welcome and how are you today? I'm good. Well, you see... That's what we naturally do, isn't it? I'm good, thanks. I'm great. No, actually, I was just telling you before we start recording, I feel rubbish. I'm not great at the moment. Um, I'm not, you know, perfectly. Usually I have more energy to sort of put on more of a facade in in a sense of anything to do with work or what I perceive as work, i.e. anything that takes... um, that requires my professionalism, my skill, my presenting, you know, my face, mm-hmm. um, my public persona, so to speak. I can usually switch that on quite easily because I, I lived that double life for years, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. I lived that double life for most of my bipolar years um, that everything's great and everyone thinking that I'm absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I'm the life and soul of the party and I'm funny and I'm full of energy and I'm, you know, clever and I'm witty and I'm blah, blah, I'm really inside, I'm shriveling. And that's how I feel today. So usually I could sort of, I wouldn't say this type of stuff and I'd keep it very professional, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I'm great. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. But actually, do you know what? This is the whole point of Let's Talk Bipolar. It's about the real, the reality and the real of it. And actually, if there's any space that I should be able to come and just be real, it should be here. So I'm choosing here today, um, and you and I obviously have bipolar in common, mm-hmm. and I guess people watching this will hopefully have some kind of empathy or understanding for bipolar themselves. And so hopefully you could kind of um, forgive me for not being 110% as I usually am. So I'm all right, I'm holding on. I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to applaud you for being real and for bringing to this exactly what we need, which is just being as we are. And bipolar isn't always okay. And we're not always fine. And fine isn't a feeling anyway. Let's just chuck that in the bin. You know, I'm fine. That doesn't, that doesn't, it's not a feeling it doesn't exist let's just put that in the bin <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to applaud you and say thank you for being real and yeah just being true to yourself and honoring how you are today and also thank you for showing up and doing this despite the fact that today is not a great day for you um because yeah, it's hard. usually like yeah. I said like you find the energy and go yeah go mm-hmm. on just put on a bit of slap she can only see you from the waist up anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you keep your pyjamas on at the bottom, which I have, by the way. Good. And, you know, <laughs> and you'll be all right. But I'm sat here just going, okay, it's fine. Just yeah. get through this. And yeah. hopefully, you know, the talk is always good mm. for the person anyway. Mm. It's nice to see your face today. Yeah. And nice to um, see hopefully yours. we'll help somebody else. Yeah. And that's it. And you're right. This is exactly the space where this sort of conversation should be and is safe and you're held in this space however you are feeling um and this is all the faces and all the sides and all the realities of bipolar and living with it so so let's talk bipolar yeah and i 
would like to invite you to share a bit about you, where you're from, but also um, when, you know, what, what is your diagnosis and, and tell me about your journey to discovering that you have bipolar. Oh, my life has just been very varied. Um, it, my life is very bipolar <laughs> in itself. Um, mm. For example, just growing up, I went to normal school and I went to stage school. Um, I was in a girl band and had songs in the charts equally. I was just a normal kid growing up in London. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And then, you know, you get into... I got into presenting after my um, music career um, and, um, you know, my music career was great. And obviously I'm not here to tell about my career that Google is great. You can look me up. Um, but it's the, the highs and the lows of mm. that industry alone um, mirrored bipolar as a thing. And so it was something that I never noticed. It was a case of, I thought I was moody. People thought I was moody. My family and friends just thought I was moody. Oh, she switches. You know, don't get on the wrong side of her type mm. of thing. But mm. then equally, I'd suffered trauma from a young age. I've been bullied since nursery that I, you know, as, as early as I can remember. Um, in every single school, I've moved about a lot. It's like my life is, on one hand, has been amazing. Imagine doing amazing things and achieving great things and things that people only dream of. But then there's this flip side of it. Um, and by the way, I'm so grateful for that side. It's, it's, you know, both sides make me who I am. So on one side, it's amazing. And I'm very grateful for all my achievements. I've had to work hard for them though, mind you. Nothing wrong with that. But on the flip side, there's the other side where it's been very dark, where it's been very difficult, um, where I've suffered certain trauma, things that have happened to me being in the business from such a young age, um, growing up in the business, um, the highs and lows of having a job or being relevant one minute and next minute starting again, um, being in an industry where it, you know, I've been in TV now for 20 years. So at a time where it wasn't cool to be black, wasn't cool to be female, you know, I've done, I've gone through all of that as well. And so there's just a lot of layers to my life that when then you have bipolar in that, and you don't even know what mental illness is and people around you don't even know what mental illness is it's not even a thing it's just a case of but she lives that life it's the type of life she lives it's extraordinary it's 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 crazy that's just how it is you know and so i guess the moods and the everything around it that's just part of it isn't that celebrity lifestyle isn't that how you guys live oh you always that's just how it is and so being um in music industry from the age of 12 being in television or getting in television at the age of 20, I'm now in my 40s, you know, it's a long time. And having the parallel of a celebrity lifestyle, having songs in the charts, being on mainstream TV, and then being out of work, being on the dole, being homeless, um, you know, all of those things, it is very bipolar, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, you, it's a lot, it's yeah. a lot. Um, and, and I have to be, 
I like to be sort of careful, very clear when I speak about this, because as much as times have been hard, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's who I am and it's what I know. Um, I, I only kind of know hardships and I've experienced good times. And there's been times I've thought, gosh, you know, I've, I've worked so much harder. I deserve so much more than this. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've learned is that it's just life. Um, and how I discovered my bipolar was going from, uh, you know, depression all through my 20s. From what I remember looking back now, I could see, wow, that was some real deep depression. I was suicidal at points. Didn't even realise that was a thing. Um, family and friends didn't understand. Like I said, it just it wasn't a thing. And being from a Black Caribbean background as well, again, mental illness or you just oh, this it's a bit of a sh you know a shame you could bring shame on your family it's an embarrassing thing mm -hmm. so it's not something that was ever in the forefront mm -hmm. um but I had been in a job I was being really badly bullied by my manager who actually turned out to be bipolar which was the first time that I actually discovered what bipolar was mm -hmm. and so subsequently two years on when I was diagnosed with it, I thought that's what bipolar was. It was evilness. And I was going to become evil like this person who bullied me because she was bipolar. And that's obviously what bipolar is. And so I was waiting for myself to turn into this evil monster. Um, oh, but my behavior changed. I, I went from very um, low because of this bullying, because of the ups and downs of the industry, trying to work, trying to find work, being in work, being out of work having you know money to pay bills not not knowing where your next food is coming from um to suddenly going from suicidal thoughts and suicidal attempts to being really high excitable energetic wasn't sleeping for days wasn't eating for months actually mm. my meds and just overeating from antidepressants when i had been diagnosed with that maybe couple of years before the bipolar diagnosis, you know, you overeat um, a lot or you could do when you're depressed. So I gained so much weight. Uh, gosh, like say I'm a size 10 now, I was like a size 18 to 20 at some point. I didn't leave my house for over a year. I went off the grid. And then almost like overnight, I went from that to a size six and I was living off uh, one boiled egg a day and I wasn't sleeping and um, my behavior was just whoa I was just out all the time I just wanted to party I wanted to have fun going from couldn't move from my bed yeah to now being you know traveling going on the tube at 12 o'clock at night because you've heard there's a party on the other side of London so not that's just so not me on a good day you know so it was that and then I remember these stenders I remember seeing these stenders and the character in it Stacey Slater had bipolar and something in my head started to trigger a bell and I started going hold on a minute some oh I recognize myself mm. and I actually then had to beat down doors and tell everyone I'm bipolar nobody believed me friends family doctors no one I wrote a suicide note to my doctor who wouldn't believe me the suicide note said, if you don't help me today, I'm going to kill myself. And I meant it because I was just torturing myself. 
it was like part of me was telling myself to kill myself and because the high part the manic part was so impulsive I would have done it and I knew I would have done it yeah. and this little part the sunken part of me is going please don't kill yourself don't do it um there was this tiny voice in there somewhere and that last part of me is what wrote that note and that is what started the process of how I got diagnosed and here we are today mm. um eight years on but I kept it secret for seven years because I was ashamed so oh. here we are Leah, what a journey. And and I know that you're not alone in the roller coaster journey. You know, yeah. every everyone's is different. Um, but that roller coaster lifestyle, I can I can kind of relate to in that highs and lows. And it it, it sort of does lend itself to hiding something like bipolar quite nicely, mm. right? For quite a long time. Yeah. Um, it's sort of the perfect place to hide. Yes, definitely. Isn't it? Um, so, and, and t- tell me a little bit more, um, about the dynamic around you. Cause you mentioned a couple of times that mental health just wasn't even a thing. Like it didn't even exist, um, in the environment and the dynamics around you. Could you tell me a bit more about that and, and what your beliefs were before you realized that mental illness was a thing and bipolar was a thing what what were your beliefs before that well my beliefs before that was that you know things like depression people don't really get anyway and then but things like bipolar and schizophrenia and things like that was like whoa that that's for the real top tier of madness that's (laughs) not for people like me I don't know people like that those are the people in the streets that you know the ones that you see naked half naked or they're talking to themselves or you know they look like they're going to put you in danger um that's what bipolar is you know Mm. that that's that type of stuff and I don't know anyone like that it's not my world and those people and and it wasn't like I was very much like oh those people it was never like that but it just wasn't it just wasn't even a thing in in my head or in anybody that I knew there was nobody I knew that and now when I look around there are plenty of people around with mental health issues (laughs) that's the irony I can see it very clearly and maybe and and they can see it and maybe it's because there's more awareness now but at that time if we're going back 10 years 20 years 30 years um these are things that really they were institutions for people like that these were not things that were spoken about Mm. um these were not things that were normalized um and so it just never occurred to me Mm -hmm. that I or even anyone I knew could ever have something like bipolar what they used to call manic depression that's crazy people you're gonna you're gonna end up in the men in white coats are going to come to get you you know and then when I did actually have my first experience of it like I said with the 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 woman who um was was my boss who was bullying me in the workplace and that was my first experience of actually knowing someone firsthand with bipolar then that's what I thought it was my gosh you're evil on top of being crazy you're evil too like this is awful yeah um so yeah so when I got diagnosed with that just that belief in itself probably not even probably I think would have messed up a good few first few years of my recovery 
just getting my head around what the heck is this who am I now who am I supposed to be Mm. what is this thing Mm -hmm. it's over and and that is what I believed when I got that diagnosis one in one sense it was this happiness of oh I knew I had something I'm glad you're telling me because I was even telling the doctor and the doctor weren't listening see Mm -hmm. I knew it I knew it I knew I wasn't right Mm -hmm. and then after that whether it was like a few months later or something you know the actual just shame of it all the shame the stigma the fear realizing how alone I was just what am I to do next my life is over no Mm. one wants to work with me nobody would want to be my friend I'm isolated anyway my family at the time they're great now and we've come a long way but you know my family don't want to know because they don't get mental illness and this is a bit of a a shame and a stigma on the family you Mm. know if this gets out so I need to keep this a secret and obviously I'm in the public eye so I need to keep it a secret um even more so because who's going to want to work with me because they're going to think that I'm a liability or I'm unreliable or I'm going to be a nightmare to work with and all the other stigmas and things that that come with it so it was just it was just a really tough time I just I I just yeah I just didn't even see the fact that I could talk about it and with who yeah. you know who's going to yeah. understand because all the other people with it they're all weird and they're all a bit mad and I'm I'm not like that you know I'm not dribbling mm. from the no. mouth and I'm not you know all of those yeah. ridiculous and I'm saying it like this because that's what people think that's yeah. what I used to think yeah you know not in a nasty way but that's just yeah. what you think it's like well it's, it's normal people aren't like that but what is normal as yeah. we know it doesn't exist know? <laughs> yeah you just have it in your mind that it's the type of person that's sitting rocking back and forth in a corner yeah. that's what you believe that mental yeah. illness is yeah and that's it you know mm. so well that's what I believed that well and also life. the first um experience you had of meeting someone with bipolar was something that was a bit scary to you because guess what really so if I've got bipolar that means that I'm going to be like this horrible person that's going to be horrible to other people which yeah you know so why would you want to align with that if that is your only modeled example of someone that has bipolar um and and I think that's really interesting as well because I've got bipolar you've got bipolar but we've all got a personality mm. and this is something that you learn um, as you start to educate yourself about mental health and mental illness, that yes, we may all have the same diagnosis, varying degrees of, but we all have a personality. So mm-hmm. whoever that lady was, yes, she may well have had bipolar, but maybe her behavior was her personality, right? And, Absolutely. And at the beginning, yep. working out what is my mental health illness and what is my personality that is the hardest part because bipolar and my personality was so intertangled of I am energetic and I am funny and I'm but then you hear that people bipolar on the manic side they're energetic they're funny they're so what parts is the condition and what parts am I and it's taken eight years I now sit before you yes I'm having a bad day at the moment having a bad week um, I did explain to you before, I am grieving. I have lost someone um, recently mm. and, and it's very difficult for me. But you see, eight years ago, I wouldn't have been able to differentiate grief and bipolar. I would yeah. have just been, do you see what I mean? And yeah, so I do. I can do, I, I've learned so much. And actually, 
in in the whole recovery process and my message is there's life after diagnosis because my whole recovery process what I've learned is that I'm now Leah 2.0 and it's about carving out just a better version of myself because actually all that confusion and all the issues that I was going through and um, how long is a piece of string I don't know how long I had bipolar for was I born with it did it come in my teens mm -hmm. did it come in trauma in my 20s did it come in my 30s we don't know do we mm -hmm. so the whole point is is well who am I now mm -hmm. and how am I going to allow bipolar to define me will mm -hmm. I allow it to define mm -hmm. me or will I actually use it um as some kind of tool and as some kind of superpower which I do absolutely think can be yeah which but, I absolutely think and I think that's yeah. partly why I've achieved as much as, as I have I put it down to probably is the reason why I've <laughs> achieved as much as as I have and and how I've continued and what actually gets me to continue yeah tomorrow because right now I could go do you know what I'm tired now Emma I, I give up mentally physically emotionally I'm giving up right now mm. um but something still says nah you have to fight another day mm. and that is the point. there are times where I feel like I can't fight another day mm -hmm. but I think it's something you said when we did the bipolar UK webinar um you or, or Beth which just said when you your mind has bipolar you know it takes your mind to places that you've never been mm. and when you've gone to those places and then world stuff happens like you say big life stuff happens it's almost as if we've got these little mechanisms in us yeah that just and we're a lot stronger than we even think but yet the world thinks that we're the weakest mm. but you see not everybody with bipolar recognizes the actual power that they have yeah and I think if we could all unlock that then we'd be laughing actually then people would be studying us in the most amazing of ways because mm. I just think there is such a, a superpower but it's such a fine line of oh it's a superpower you saying that because you're manic and you're yeah. out of touch and you're a bit mad or is it like have you had enough sleep have you taken your meds right do you see yeah. what I mean I but, do yeah you know, on, on the good side of it I'm like no there's 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 some good sides to this bipolar yeah. malarkey, you know, if only we just knew how to harness it, because when I'm in a good place and I can harness it, honestly, like I'm formidable, mm. you know, yeah. I can achieve so much, I can do so much, but when it gets the better of me on some days, I'm just like, <sighs> you know, that webinar was really, um, really cool because I can't remember who it was, but one of the panelists said, you know, you get more, I think it might have been April or maybe it was you, but you get more done when you're in your good phase, right? And you're firing on not all cylinders, you're firing on all cylinders and the neighbours and the guy over the road. Cylinders. <laughs> You've got everyone's cylinders in the street when you're in yeah. that place. And when you're in that place, um, not full-blown mania when you're very, very unwell, but when you're in that hypermanic phase, guess what? The amount of work and things that we can do and achieve in that moment it's probably six months worth of work, you know. Honestly. So and, and to I, me, still, it's never good enough, you know. Yeah, it's no. <laughs> no, we're hard on ourselves because also then yeah. what can happen is we can measure ourselves on our best days. And what we have to understand, I think, is on our best days, we're probably operating on the strength of like four people. 
yeah. in, a, in a day's work. You yeah. know, so, you know, treat yourself, have a day in bed. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. But then it's when it becomes two days or three yeah, days. True. Every day this week, like since the weekend, I've been going, I'll do this, do that. And everything just feels just so... But, you know, like what I would say to people, and you said it to me earlier before we started recording, you know, sometimes you just got to say, if today this is the most I can do, I got out of bed, well done you. You know, mm. I washed up, good for you. You put on some clothes, excellent. You know, if I get dressed at the moment, then that really is a major coup type of thing. But I'm always very hard on myself anyway. And again, I don't know whether that's a bipolar thing or whether that's just a personality thing. It's probably just a Leah thing. Mm. Um, so I, I, I've had to learn those coping mechanisms of going, do you know what, stop. It's not the end of the world. You didn't wash up today, so what? You live by yourself. You live by yourself. <laughs> I don't, like, and I still leave the dishes. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? What no, I'm I do, yeah. That I live, but there's nobody else to complain to, nobody else to complain to me, mm. nobody to get upset because there are dishes by the sink. Mm. Like, there are no consequences in that sense. You know, if you live with somebody, you've got to be more mindful, and I get that. But it's like, why am I being so hard on myself when I live by myself? It's ridiculous. <laughs> so I have to sometimes just say, all right, Leah, time out. <laughs> like, actually say it to myself time out loud. <laughs> time out time to myself. <laughs> yeah, time out. Like, you yeah. need to chill. Yeah. Yeah, we can be incredibly hard on ourselves. And the other thing that I love that you were just talking about there is when, yeah, we live with bipolar. But guess what? When a big life event happens, any and there are no normal people. You show me a normal person. I, I just don't, I don't I've never met one. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're like unicorns, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, show me a normal person first. But secondly, any normal person in, you know, air, air quotes type of thing. Um, if they had just had a loss, they would be grieving and they probably wouldn't want to do too much either. And they'd probably mm -hmm. want to nest at home and mm -hmm. probably wouldn't want to be up having being the life and soul of a party. Just because we have bipolar doesn't mean that we shouldn't be allowed to give it, have that grace of grieving like a normal person would. Mm -hmm. Right. And these things can both exist. And obviously big events can trigger us to be unwell in our mental health condition but there is a huge element of it is normal to grieve if you lose someone and yeah. any other person would be given we would give them that grace right you would yeah you'd say Absolutely. mate you just lost someone like grieve of course you don't want to go out of course you don't want to be the life and soul of the party of yeah. course it makes sense right but then when it's us, because we're battling bipolar and trying to be well, and it adds that whole layer of like, let's beat myself with a stick because yeah. I sh we start shoulding. Yes, I All should I be able to do this. Yeah. I should. I've, I've been doing this the whole time. Come on, you should be able to carry on. Should. It's so true. Like we, we should all over ourselves. Someone, yeah. I was talking to someone on my Instagram the other day and they were saying, you know, my husband tells me off when I start shoulding all over myself because <laughs> this is normally the catalyst for me feeling really bad about myself and well, then putting myself as a bad person because well, I should, I should, I yeah, should, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's so true. It's that you said it right there. 
that putting yourself as a bad person. I've spent years up until this year going, but I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Like from the minute I was given bipolar diagnosis, like feeling I've had to go around trying to explain to the world, I'm not a bad person. It's mm. like, well, nobody said it. But again, it's those beliefs, you know, mm -hmm. it's those sort of beliefs that now I have to prove myself. I have to prove my worth to people. Mm -hmm. And up until this year, like I said, this is the first time um, I came out as bipolar last year after seven years of hiding it, like I said, um, and it was just the most liberating thing that I've done. Mm -hmm. um, and if you were speaking to me right now, outside of the grief and everything else, I'd be sat here telling you an inspiring story about, you know, how I hid it for seven years. And one day I came out on social media and the love and the support and how I've overcome. And now I've got self-belief and I believe in myself and I'm helping others and blah, blah, blah. And this is great. This is my message. We can fight. We could do this. But then <laughs> the curveball of death comes into it and then it throws my condition and, like you say, grief and bereavement. And it throws all that up in the air. And I'm like, yes, I still do believe all those things. And yes, I do believe that I am a much better person um, for speaking out and for really working on myself and not being defined by my bipolar. Mm -hmm. But obviously right now in this moment, I've just got a separate battle that is trying to, it's trying to go head to head with my bipolar, obviously, because that's how our brain works. It's, it's mm -hmm. gonna find a little, oh, we haven't been able to get to her for a while. She's been super strong. She's <laughs> been really strong. Now, what could we find? You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I always uh, have an analogy of like leaving the window open, mm -hmm. you know? even a crack, just a little, all it needs is a little crack to just get in, worm its way in. And that is basically your, your mind starts saying things to you, you know? And so next minute you find yourself severely depressed. So I'm trying not to get into that space right now where you find me is that space where I'm like, okay, no, you have to just recognize that you're grieving and you feel really rubbish about that. Um, and, you know, there are times where, yes, you may feel a bit down about your bipolar, but that's usually triggered. And obviously I don't want this to trigger me. So I'm just trying to straddle that yeah. sort of place. Straddle both massive things, right? Yeah. The two huge balls and you're juggling them both. And, um, you know, just, just by coming on today and being completely up, like straight up about where you're at, is, is amazing and it's an amazing first step in just honoring where you're at and that in itself can shed shame and can shed some of the shoulds as well because mm. we give ourselves permission to not should on ourselves. <laughs> like let's let's yeah. not should on myself today right I'm up I'm dressed yeah. I'm doing this podcast that's incredible considering everything that's going on around me and that I'm also dealing with inside so um yeah just you know, this saying of it's okay not to be okay. I just think for me, it is just honoring where you're at in that moment on that day. Yeah. And giving yourself that permission to do that, whatever that is. Yeah. And then we can stop like hitting ourselves, right? Because yeah, we all do it. I do it. Um, so we have to tell ourselves, tell ourselves not to do it, don't we? <laughs> we really. Um, yeah. We can be our own biggest bully. Hey, 
it's the worst, honestly, it really is. I just think though that for me would be the worst shame that a, you know, I feel like even at times like this, you know, I have to find something because actually if I didn't come and do this podcast today, it would have been an excuse. My mind then would have had an excuse to beat myself up about something Mm -hmm. right now it's grappling for something do you know what I mean and it's kind of like I've been doing everything okay so it's grappling if I didn't do this today then my mind would have had something to go you see there could have been somebody who would have watched your story that maybe just you know could have helped them or it just helps the cause full stop Mm -hmm. um and so it was important to do this and if, like I said, if I am going to do it, then I've always got to be real to the cause. Yeah. It's just no point. It's no point me coming on here and pretending to just be something else. It's no point. It doesn't help any of us, whether no. we've got bipolar or not. So, you know, this is the reality of it. Usually I'm all bells and whistles. And the thing is, I'm very good at, at you know, hiding behind text messages and laughing emojis and all the rest of it. And if it's lights, camera, action, and right now I've got to present something or whatever. Like if I was in your position, mm. I'd be bells on. You wouldn't even know that I was going through anything. Yeah. But right now I'm the guest. I'm not having to be the presenter. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> Emma for rubbish. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I yeah. feel like I could be even a bit more real. I'll be honest though. If I was the presenter in this situation, I would be there and I would do my job. Yeah. Because that's what I do. Yeah. And actually I feel better afterwards because I got through it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So, and I know you're going through stuff and you'll probably feel that way as well when you've completed this series, that sense of achievement. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, how do you, how do you look after yourself now? And I, through the through the higher moments through the lower moments and and what do you do on a sort of day-to-day basis to try and be stable I suppose now that you have your diagnosis now that you know that you have bipolar what helps you what's helped me is just getting to learn about me Mm -hmm. and what I didn't learn to develop to create actually everything that's been said, everything that's been done, it's the past. I could be whoever I want to be now. I could choose to be a better person, bipolar or no bipolar, mm. because there are bad sides to bipolar, obviously, and those are the behavioral issues and you know the way we could be sometimes. I'm sort of slipping off, aren't I? Sorry. <laughs> she is, <laughs> she down. nearly disappeared. She's I back. know, like, she's getting more <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so it's about, like I said, Leah 2.0. So really, those things come about, the old Leah you see would beat, like I'd beat myself up if I, for example, hadn't washed up Mm. or I hadn't gone to the post office today, like I said I would. I mean, I didn't yesterday and I meant to, but you see before that, not going yesterday would have made me depressed for a whole week. Rather than just going, I would have just stayed in the house then and beat myself up for an entire week and still not gone to the post office. Mm -hmm. And then every day that I didn't go, oh, you're more pathetic. Oh, you're lazy. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. Oh, you're just constant. Mm -hmm. But the growth 
how I've been working on myself was okay you didn't go yesterday yesterday I had a rubbish day you know I woke up in tears and I spent most of the day in tears I just thought I don't want to go to the post office I don't want to stand in the queue I don't want to be around people I felt anxious Mm -hmm. and I've worked hard on on fighting anxiety over the years so I just thought no I'm just going to stay in which I did um this morning I knew I had to go post office so I went and did it but it's those little learning things of how I cope day to day. It's just knowing when, like I said, to give myself a time out, not to let my mind go so far. Think about what I'm thinking about, because sometimes there's an emotion and I start feeling sad and feeling low out of the blue. What was I thinking about? Then I think about what I was thinking about and realize that it was something I've just totally made up in my head, like some sad story. Some sad story of something that literally has not happened. You know, like, I don't know, you imagine something. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. We probably all do it. You know, you just imagine something. It could be something really silly. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, I went out and I missed the bus. I mean, that's a bit silly. But, you know, like all oh, time where you imagine yourself getting a dream job, but then not getting it. Mm-hmm. And I've just been sat thinking about that for half an hour. But Leah, there is no job and you didn't get it to lose it. And actually the world is still your oyster. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow you might get that call that could change your life. But yeah, I've sat there sort of meditating on a negative thought. Yeah. And so that is what I'm trying to get to here, people, is that the thinking about what you're thinking about. You know, the battlefield is the mind. It's like a constant battle in your mind. And so what I've learned is to try not to overthink, try not to beat myself up. Those things that may seem really basic is basically how I'm getting through my days. And that is what's changing my life, Mm -hmm. actually. It's changing my life because the overthinking, the beating myself up, the I'm not good enough, the Mm -hmm. begging for, you know, a seat at other people's tables, um, it's talk about career wise, you know, and things like so I actually know. Do you know what? I am good. I'm great. I'm a good person. I do a lot. I've done a lot. I've sowed a lot of good seeds and I do a lot for people mm-hmm. in the public eye and out of the public eye. I hardly ask for anything, if ever. And no, you're not going to beat yourself up anymore, love. Mm-hmm. You're not going to beat yourself. And people will get you if they get you. They like you. Therefore, you found your tribe. You know, and the people that don't get you, well, they're just different type of people. You're not going to lose sleep over it like you used to. You're not going to let that get under your skin and, you know, um, and get all wired and upset for weeks and months about it like you used to. No way. And so these are the ways. These are the changes that I have made. Equally, you know, I I like to um, be in my loungewear. (laughs) I do. Um, but because I have this flip side that is known to be quite glamorous and, you know, whatever, that's when I'm out or that's when I'm being Leah Charles King. Mm-hmm. But actually just accepting one of the biggest, most powerful things that I've learned, particularly this year, is accepting that I like to be at home and I like to be in loungewear is a revelation <laughs> to me. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it anymore. So this year when my family said, what would you like for Christmas? Rather than going, oh, I'd like that nice fandango top or whatever I said actually I'd really like loungewear (laughs) and if I was rich like Hugh Hefner I would 
be like him and I would live in loungewear or pajamas, nice silky ones, whatever. <laughs> they don't even need to be silky. Oh, fleecy fleece pajamas. And honestly, that is how I want to live. I just want to be warm and cozy <laughs> and that's it. So just accepting that alone is changing my life. I know it sounds pathetic, but it's no. the truth. That's what Not I asked for for my Christmas her. present. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. So yeah. my my in laws, they were like, you know, what do you want? They saw this little bracelet, and I said, no. Do you know what I really, really want? They're like, what? And I was like, a onesie and some fluffy socks. Yeah, that's what I want. They were like, yeah, nothing else. I was like, no, just no. that. <laughs> I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> and that is how I feel. And just that because you know what, I used to beat myself up about that. And I know it sounds so silly. But the fact that I don't like getting dressed, it doesn't mean like to just stay like a bum, inverted commas. Mm. I just mean that I like to be comfortable, particularly in my own home. But then the world tells us that we should get up and get dressed, even when we're at home and put on a face. And Mm. then you're seeing everyone on social media do it. And you're like, look at them at home all dressed up, nowhere to go. And they look so lovely. And I'm like, I don't want to do that for who? who am I doing and then some voice will go but for you you're doing it for you you know it's like no but actually me who I want to be is in my you know nice loungewear and I just want to be chilling I don't want to be pretending and taking that away actually has made me so powerful because it's knowing my power it's knowing who I am what I like what I don't like where I like to go, where I don't like to go, who I like to hang out with, who I don't like to hang out with, who do I want to talk to, what do I like to eat, what don't I want to eat. As simple as those things sounded, I had to go through all of that and I had to start from scratch because when I first got that diagnosis, my life was torn in tatters, you know, and I've had to rebuild everything, everything, even just knowing what's my favourite colour. So... I'm just going with how I feel, but also thinking about what I'm thinking about when it gets unhealthy and just remembering that, yes, the battle is, the battlefield is in my mind, but there's just so much of it that I need to take on. Mm -hmm. Just one day as it comes. And it's really powerful when you, it's exhausting pretending. And when we're, pretending to be something that we're not and it doesn't even have to be a conscious thing but like you say oh I'm getting up and I'm getting myself all ready all dressed up for who you're not doing it for you so you're doing it for what you think what you think other people want from you so which is pressure yeah someone may not have even said it it's what we think other people think that we need to be right not even us sometimes and not even them and um but the thing about it is is it is exhausting and when you drop all that yes sometimes people drop away too yeah but when they drop away it makes space for the right people to arrive absolutely oh yes and then guess what we don't have to pretend anymore and we're not exhausted anymore that's right and just breathe yeah doing just exactly breathe. and at. it's like yeah. it's like liberating right it really is it really is yeah that and is even exactly just like that, that small phrase like oh yeah well thanks for the invite but actually I don't really it's not really for me you know like have a great yeah. time it's just not yeah. my bag not my bag exactly. right yeah yeah rather than putting yourself uh, the amount of times I'd do that and I'd be at an event 
something because I felt like this is where I should be. Uh, my face has got to be seen or I've got to be around these people. And then you're then just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. It's not even my bag. Yeah. Not, not because I want to be at home and I want to be isolated. No, I just would prefer to just be somewhere else doing something else. It's not really for me. And those things of just learning to accept you and not what society wants or what people think or, you know, to make, no, it's okay just to just go, no. Yeah. And, <laughs> and equally like, you know, that, that, that doesn't actually work for me. So no. I, won't, I won't do that. But thanks for the invite. And genuinely, yeah. I, I hope you have a lovely time. Yeah. It's, not, it's just not my thing. Yeah. Right. And we can do that. And, and it's hard because we've all most of us have been conditioned to perform in some way, even if That's we're not right. in the entertainment industry. Right? right. Yeah. Just as human beings, we are conditioned to perform and do this performative behavior to please other people. Yeah. Um, so when you start learning that you can do out, you can come out of that. And guess what? The world's not going to suddenly combust around you just because you said no, thank you. Exactly. Yeah, like the world didn't yeah. just suddenly blow into a million pieces. It's all okay. That's right. The then you're like, wow. Us. That is right. So that is what I've learned. The yeah. world keeps happening with or without me. And mm. either some people are with me or they're not. And whoever's with me, great. And whoever's not, great. It's not. And that's where <laughs> we're at. And as well, death shows that to you as well. When you lose someone and you see all the really close friends who just don't even bother check if you're right. And then those who you barely know or those who you don't speak to as often who actually send condolences or ask how you are or even keep in mind, oh, and she's got bipolar. So let me just give her a little double check, you mm. know? And, and that is that that is, has been, I think, another hard part of this journey is just looking at people and trying not to be disappointed. Mm. But you see the old Leah before this version and in the height of my bipolar, I, it would have bothered me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to cope as well um, mm -hmm. back then um, as I do now um, with this situation, because it would have, I would have been out there, you know, telling people, well, how could you not support me? I've disappointed you and blah, blah, blah. It would have really disappointed. There's so many people I'm disappointed with and I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The only that would have kept me awake at night. It mm -hmm. would have just, I would have been crying about all day. Why do people not love me? Mm -hmm. Why um, do they feel that I'm strong all the time and that I don't need support? Leah will be okay. Leah will be okay. It's fine. She always gets on with it. She always gets over it. Why is it okay for people to draw my energy and want my support? But yet, and they recognize that obviously I've got enough strength to give them. But then you think that if my time ever came, they'd afford me that mm. same grace back and mm. then seeing the people who don't, it's just, it's really disappointing, but that's what I mean by just learning about self, Yeah, learning about self, because mm. now I'm like, that's how it is. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm. Whereas before I would have been like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the more we learn about ourselves, the more bounded we get with our energy as well right and we learn mm -hmm. where to place it and mm -hmm. when we need to reserve it and we learn to recognize if you've only got a little bit left in the tank and guess what I'm keeping that for me this time because yeah that's what I need to do to stay well mm -hmm. to stay alive to make it through to next week when hopefully I have a little bit of an energy switch and I feel better right that's um, right
So, yeah. So to finish up, could you tell me what are the most helpful things or ways that people have supported you since you've had your diagnosis of bipolar? Um, it's an interesting one, really. It's quite, you know, as you know, especially bipolar and friendships, people just come and go. It's a really strange thing. And I don't quite know why that is, um, but it's obviously very common. It's something that just seems to happen. There's not one person bipolar that I've spoken to that has not mentioned the friends that come and go and the mm -hmm. pain and the, of the loss, the feeling of loss of losing people in your life that you thought you're really close to. Um, so what I would say to this is that the best people are the ones who are still around now. Mm -hmm. And why they're still around now is because they're consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't give all of that. They didn't go, oh, no, babe. Oh, yeah, they did. Oh, well, oh, you want to cry? Oh. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't hear from them again for a mm -hmm. week when you just said to them, I'm feeling suicidal. Do you see mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, those are, you know, the, the, the best people for me. The ones who, what I like to call ride and die. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones where if you say I'm in the hospital, they, ju they don't just go, I'm really sorry. Let me know how it goes. They will say which hospital I'm coming you know, mm -hmm. active friends, not passive mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And I think those have been the best people for me. That's the best way I respond because that's how I respond. Mm -hmm. Even in some of my darkest days, I've helped people um, because that's me. So I guess when I'm in a dark day, that's what I look for. That's what mm -hmm. I recognize. Mm -hmm. um, somebody who's actively, and if they can't actively come and you know, half of the time, I don't want anything from anyone anyway, but it's nice to know that it's there mm. should I need it. And mm. and it's those people that check on me regularly. Oh, I haven't heard from her in a few days. Let me just send her a text. Mm -hmm. You know, or the last time I spoke to her, she didn't seem right. Let me just check on her again. And mm -hmm. um, those are the people. And so I've found that the best way for me is consistency. If you're going to help somebody in anything, just be consistent. You know, if somebody had cancer and they had appointments, I bet you'd go to those appointments with them. You know, if somebody got mental illness because you can't see it and maybe today they might look all right in themselves and last week they may have been sobbing in your lap, but today they would manage to get dressed and, you know, they're all right. It doesn't mean that you could just, mm -hmm. it's okay, just let them go. Oh, they're all right, they're all right. Same way you still go to that cancer patient's appointment, you'd never think of letting them go by themselves unless they specifically, you know, you'd agreed or whatever. Mm. It's the same way I think with mental illness. Yeah. I think it's just because it's not cancer you can't see. Um, but there is a there is something in the heart that goes out to every single person that you hear who has it. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to mental illness it's not quite the same mm -hmm. as with other conditions. It's people just kind of don't get it. And then they assess you just by looking at you like that. Yeah. Oh, but she's dressed today. Oh, but she's being talk talkative. Mm -hmm. um, oh, but she made a joke earlier. Oh, she seems all right. Oh, she, you know, mm -hmm. it's like they need you to be literally hanging mm -hmm. for them to all sobbing or some, doing something out of character to realize that you're feeling unwell. And, and that's just not the reality of it. So if you're going to support anybody with mental illness, 
my advice or what I ask is just be consistent because it could be very confusing and it could do further damage as well. Because if you think somebody's there for you and then they just can't be bothered, they can't mm. be bothered to be consistent, they dip in and out when they feel like it, it can make you feel more alone. And one of the biggest crux of how mental illness works is that your brain, the first thing it does is it isolates you. Gotcha. And then it starts telling you you're alone. Then it starts telling you nobody else understands. Nobody else can see. Nobody gets what you're feeling right now. And because it's not something that can be seen, that's the way it gets to you. So the minute somebody doesn't show up or they don't call or they don't follow up with a text or they don't just check to see how you are, yeah. Well, my mind's right. I'm not mentally ill. I'm mentally yeah. right, you know, because yeah, the person's not there. Confirmed so actually, it. I am alone and nobody mm -hmm. does love me. Nobody does care. And I might I may as well not be on this earth then. Mm -hmm. I may as well just not be here. And next minute you're suicidal mm -hmm. because of the thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it could be a real vicious circle. So big part of it is our responsibility, of course. Mm -hmm. And the other part is, is that if you're helping somebody with a mental illness, then just be consistent. You know, mm -hmm. if you're going to hold their hand, hold their hand. It doesn't mean that they need to rely on you for everything, obviously, because that could be a burden on you and you've got to protect your energy as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, but just be consistent with them in terms of just showing them that you care and that you're there if they're needed. Yeah, yeah, totally agree so Leah thank you for today um from the bottom of my heart thank you because I know that um it's not a great day for you today uh, for lots of different reasons um where can we find you at Leah Charles King everywhere basically there. <laughs> there <we laughs> been go. around long enough tuck me in somewhere <laughs> you'll find me um you know and I'm fascinated to meet other people with bipolar and hear their stories and I've done podcasts and lives and things like that. So I'm, anyone watching this, you know, if you want to uh, get in touch, touch base, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I think it's so important what I've learned, actually, particularly from the Bipolar UK webinar that we had in October, is that that building of the tribe, yeah. you know, being around other people who are like you and that you have those similarities. We're completely different, but just knowing you have you have the same battle as I do mm -hmm. I immediately feel bonded to you I immediately mm -hmm. feel like there's some kind of sisterhood you know yeah. or something yeah. so anyone else watching this just the good and the bad you know reach out I'm mm -hmm. always um I'm always honored when people reach out actually it's it's a very humbling and honoring thing so thank you for having me yeah thank you for being great. here and you're right the power of connection people that can turn around and go i get it me too is massive so it's massive yeah it really so is anyone listening you're definitely not alone you may be physically alone in the room that you're sat in right now but you are not alone yeah. in the journey that you're walking and you don't have to walk it alone so reach out and it's powerful to connect with someone else who who can say me too i get it me too i get it girl <laughs> <laughs> thank you leah
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Bipolar, the podcast brought to you by Bipolar UK. Please go to our website, www.bipolaruk.org for all of our resources and all of the support that we can offer you.